You're listening to The Whole Church Podcast. Our efforts to educate and unite the church are made possible thanks to our sponsors on Patreon. Please consider joining them for $3 a month at patreon.com forward slash the whole church podcast, where you'll get tons of bonus content, as well as extra discounts to our upcoming convention, the Every Tribe, Denomination, and Tongue Convention in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, May 11th through 13th. Romans 15, 5 through 9, the New American Standard Bible. Now may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant you to be of the same mind with one another according to Christ Jesus, so that with one purpose and one voice you may glorify the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, accept one another, just as Christ also accepted us, for the glory of God. For I say that Christ has become a servant to the circumcision in behalf of the truth of God to confirm the promises given to the fathers and to the Gentiles to glorify God for his mercy. There's other stuff in verse 9, but I'm ending there. Here, St. Paul is writing to the church at Rome, encouraging them to be witnesses to God through their love of one another. And he states that part of the goal with this is so that we can, in unity with one voice, worship God. Um, then he commands that the church accept, accept one another. Interesting word. Brandon, in our context today, like so many different church gatherings out there, so many different denominations, polarization everywhere, what does this call to accept one another look like to you? I think this looks like an, an open-mindedness to the idea that just because something is done differently elsewhere does not necessarily make it wrong. I think that um, sometimes we like to brush off differences as purely this like, it's not the way we do it, so it's wrong. And not all tradition is necessarily biblical, but I do think that uh, this open-mindedness, this acceptance that Paul brings up does look like us being more open to experiencing other people's traditions without just brushing it all off as bad. Yeah. I think a lot of it, like um, families, you know, my brother started believing in like wild conspiracies with UFOs and stuff. Hmm. I might think he's crazy, but I'd still call him my brother. <laughs> sure. Hey, everybody, welcome to the Whole Church Podcast, probably at least in your top 10 favorite church unity podcast, probably, if you're listening. I doubt you listen to more than 10 church unity podcasts. If you do, congrats, you won. I don't know what you won, though. Um, for that, we'd have to go to to the, be the greatest winner, the winner of the genetic pool, the winner of life and the podcasting realm. Um, yeah, for those of you who don't know, there's an entire realm of just podcasters. Uh, our universe came close, but there is a universe where everyone's a podcaster. And there, they all conduct statues of the greatest podcaster known to any dimension, the one and only TJ Tiberius Juan Blackwell. Thanks. Yeah. Thank yeah. you for joining well, us in this realm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so. <laughs> I, wait, wait, I got to introduce Brandon. <laughs> yeah. The guy that joined. they did not build a statue <laughs> to in the other multiverses. <laughs> we, your, your favorite seminary podcaster who is done with seminary. He still does a seminary podcast. This is a great dimension. Hey, guys, welcome to welcome. Brandon Knight, uh, host of my seminary life, traveling preacher, cool guy, has a great beard. We mentioned it before last week. Thought we'd remind you since you can't see this. Yeah, I imagine 
I have to be nobody's favorite because nobody likes seminary. So nobody I mean, like there's got to be the favorite. There can't be a top 10 favorite seminary list. We're all at the bottom. Look, someone well, out I will there tell you now is <laughs> as hyper fixated on seminaries. Just trust me. That's true. Well, listen, my favorite seminary related podcast is my seminary life. So. Well, I got to hide the one from you that's like all Tolkien and C.S. Lewis content then, because <laughs> that will quickly become your favorite one. All right. Go on. Well, <laughs> no, we don't do free advertising here. Uh, <laughs> unless you want to reach out to us, uh, come on the show. Uh, but if you're listening, uh, check out our convention website in the description. Uh, see what we're doing, what we got going on. We're having a convention this year. Use code HOLE, that's W-H-O-L-E, for 40% off at checkout. Support us on Patreon for an additional 20% off. And uh, you would also get access to our Q&A Discord channel and all of our bonus segments that we record after our shows. I think it's worth it. Yeah, a lot of bang for your buck. Discount code for, for some of the merch. If you didn't know, we have merch. That's usually in the show description. You can find the link for that. So... Guys, I actually do have a favorite form of unity, um, which you you both know. It's the fun of having return guests. Is like you go a little bit wild. It's like, man, this is this is a friend. We don't have to be constrained at all. We know what wild his card. response is. <laughs> we know he's not going to storm quit on us. Um, <laughs> <laughs> hopefully, today today's silly question, pretty basic, but one that I know each of us might have interesting answers for. If you could have any Star Wars creature as a pet, and, you know, it has to be the non-humanoid ones. You can't say Wookiee, something that's, like, actually an animal in Star Wars is what I'm thinking. Which creature are you picking? TJ, go first. Uh, a crate dragon. Oh, Wait, what's okay. That? Uh, so, basically, a dragon <laughs> without wings. Right on. And they don't okay. make fire. Just big, big, oh. angry, scary lizard. Perfect. Like Perfect. It. Brandon, I'm going to give you a little bit of time to think about it. I'm going to go with the Loathe Wolf. Um, That's just a wolf. <laughs> yeah, but they seem to have some kind of like connection with the Force Dimension stuff, too. And I find True. it interesting. And they're huge. Also, I like You ever wolves. seen a real wolf? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're, they're definitely bigger than a real wolf. Wolves are big. That's true. I don't think Loathe Wolves are bigger. Also, they have connection to the Force. That's the thing I care about. Yeah. Anyway, Brandon... <laughs> Me? I, I was actually, when I saw this question, I was really interested to, to hear what TJ would say, because I know he's a big Star Wars sci-fi guy. Um, yeah. I was thinking much more practical than you two, because um, you picked, like, <laughs> actual cool answers. I was kind of like, I'm, I'm thinking, like, what could I actually take care of? And as much as I want a Rancor, I really think <laughs> I would have to pick, like... Uh, oh man, I just lost the name of it. Porg, the Porgs from oh, the last, yeah, the last Jedi. Like that, that's got to be simple to take care of. That's purely what yeah. I'm thinking about. I'm a stay-at-home dad. Like I, I don't need like another pet that's going to take up a lot of like a lot of my time and energy. So I'm going to go with like basically a bird. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I mean, Cray Dragon's not going to take up that much of my time. When it gets hungry, I'm just going to let it eat one of the neighbors. There you go. Hmm. Also, Tauntaun would have been a 
Ooh, a solid answer for me. If it wasn't for the fact that I hate the cold, I do just appreciate them. I could actually use that here, though. That's oh, yeah. true. You should have. You should have chose that. I should. <laughs> it's like a seasonal, a seasonal pet. Yeah, <laughs> seasonal <laughs> car started. That's what we need. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. All right. So, Brandon, um, yes. and TJ, and everybody listening, I'm going to take a minute to explain why we're doing this and why Brandon's here. So we are doing a series about church services because oftentimes guests, probably Brandon at one point, he's been on a lot. When we ask them for a practical action at the end, say, go visit another church, go visit this kind of church or that kind of church or so on. And what we've heard from some of our listeners, we listen to you guys occasionally and from other people who've been on our show and went and tried it themselves is sometimes it's actually super intimidating to go to these places because it's just so wildly different than anything you've ever been to that you're like, I don't know what to do here. So our goal for this series is talk to a bunch of leaders from different churches to kind of give you an idea of what their church services are like so that you don't go and get completely overwhelmed and blindsided of what it is. Yeah. Uh, For example, you know, if you've never been to a Catholic church, you might be very surprised that the actual message part is a very tiny portion of their service. You know, um, for Catholics or Orthodox who they sing throughout the entire service might find it really weird when they go to a Baptist church and we do two fast songs, two slow songs, and that's it. <laughs> you know, so we're going to discuss all of this. We're, we're hoping to go from the moment you get into the parking lot to the moment you leave the service. What is service like here? What is the language you use to talk about these things? And really importantly is why, you know, outside of the going and not knowing what you're going to. There's a lot of significance in things that we mock or don't understand about one another as far as like sacraments or why do Pentecostals always do an altar call, you know, that kind of stuff. They don't all always do an altar call, by the way, but it is more common in Pentecostal churches. These are the kind of things we want to discuss so that we understand one another better, so we can visit each other's churches easier, and so that we know like some of the symbolism. Um, Lutheran Church I have started visiting covers the crosses with uh, white claws during all of Lent. Hmm. I had a lot of questions about why they do that. It's pretty interesting. Talk about that on Patreon, maybe. Make everybody wait for it. <laughs> or with or with Will. That'd be cool. Um, but yeah, so that's why we're doing this. What we're doing is just talking to leaders about it. It's probably going to be about a six-week series before we take another week off as a break. And you can listen to it right where you always listen to our show. So other than that, nothing's really changing with this. We brought Brandon because he is a traveling preacher. He's preached at a couple of different kinds of churches, and we thought it'd be cool to kick things off with A, a fellow podcaster who just has a cool voice and beard, and B, someone who could speak to, here are some of the different things I've seen at some different churches. Yeah. Yeah. So, Brandon, as a traveling preacher, uh, we thought it'd be good to hear from you your first about your experiences at different kinds of churches. Uh, so could you remind our listeners what all kinds of churches you've preached at? Sure thing. So I have uh, hung out a little bit with Methodists. I've spent a lot of time with the CRC, Christian Reformed Church. And then uh, I would say, for lack of a better word, uh, my client's list is mostly Baptist. But you know, when you say the word Baptist, people have a very particular, like, image in mind of what they think at the Baptist churches. When I say Baptist, I'm actually referring to four different groups. So quickly, it's Bible Baptist, which is kind of like an old school, non-denominational church. 
the SBC, the Southern Baptist Convention, we're all, I'm assuming, fairly familiar with that group. The what we call up here, the General Baptist Assembly, the General Association of Regular Baptist Churches is the full denominational name. Basically, that means they're not a fundamental independent Baptist church, but they're not SBC. Uh, kind of in the middle. And then the fourth group is this tiny little denomination within the Baptist church called Enterprise Baptist, which is we have a church up here that's a part of their that community, but they're more so like down in the Kentucky, West Virginia, Virginia area. So those are the groups. Like I said, it is mostly that Baptist category. And on a Sunday morning, those Baptist churches outside of the Enterprise Baptist are all going to look pretty similar, those other three Baptist groups. But when you get outside of the Sunday service, that's where you're going to find a lot of the differences and why there are four different categories. So those are my yeah. the usual people I'm with. I'm assuming there's zero chance that the Enterprise Baptist dress in Star Trek uniform, right? They're not going in Starfleet I mean, gear. That is what everybody hopes. But no, it is actually is not sci-fi whatsoever. It is actually uh, very old fashioned. <laughs> I will I'll talk more about this as we yeah. flesh out some of these other questions. But no, there are no the pastor does not wear a yellow shirt and the uh, there isn't somebody walking around like the associate pastor doesn't wear blue. I'm using all very uh original generation yeah. star trek but they should do that you should speak should. to them about that yeah <laughs> um uh, so what are some of the things that have stood out the most to you as unique in churches that you visited Ooh, just like at a high level um how did I miss that question in the notes? I went over everything and prepped. Yeah, I would say we're going to talk about this part specifically here in a minute. But the most interesting part to me that is that does not involve me is observing how people do the music part, do the singing yeah. part of the service. That is always the part that I walk away from. Nine times out of ten, I walk away from saying, well, that was interesting, which interesting doesn't always mean bad. It also doesn't always mean good. Um, but yeah, that I would say like from a high level, usually the music part is the most interesting, different. I don't know if any church does the singing of music part similar. I think everyone's yeah. got a unique twist to it or they have this part, but they don't have that part. But the other church is like they've got A and B, but not B and C. Um Outside yeah. of that, um, I'm trying to think. I have been in some of those are a little bit more liturgical than others, like the Methodist or the yeah. CRC. So that always is kind of keeps me on my toes because I was not part of that <laughs> growing yeah. up. But yeah, as we get more into like the specifics here, I'll be able to flesh this out better. Yeah. Other friend of the show, Christian Ashley and I visited um, another friend of the show, Father Jonathan's church. <laughs> Oh, nice. Um, we didn't realize that the Orthodox Church sings part of the actual like homily. So that kind of oh, threw us off. Okay. <laughs> Different. Well, They're singing the message. Yeah. It, it was not something we were used to. It was a really cool experience, but congregationally sing it? Yeah. Oh, well, interesting. Like, kind of like a back and forth. Like, oh, like, call have, like and the parts, some parts sing as is in bold. And then, yeah. It was interesting. It was interesting. Yeah. 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 Well, they actually only did it that day to mess with you guys. <laughs> right. Well, we thought it was cool. We were also just like, man, I if you don't grow up in it, 
it's different. Um, That's for sure. So is there anything that stands out to you that churches you've been to have done that you had no idea that they would do? Like, have you ever seen sure. something? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. You, you do pick up on things along the way. You know, for me, it's kind of like if I ever did become a pastor, I'll take this, I'll take this, I'll take this. And I don't want that over there. Uh, one church, <laughs> they uh, it's a smaller church. A lot of the churches I visit are smaller, uh, like 50 or less people, or uh, they're a church that doesn't have a pastor. So it's usually those types of situations. Uh, one church I was at, they frequently, whenever there is somebody in the congregation who has a physical need that they're praying for in the bulletin, you know, prayer chains, they will mm. pull a chair and sit that person down up front and call for the leadership, the men, everybody in the church, the family, whoever, and they all gather around to pray over that person. Really like that. I've really enjoyed that. Um, as someone who has grown up in the non-denominational Baptist, low liturgical church world, uh, I do really like a lot of the high liturgical stuff, particularly the fact that you do more than just sing a couple songs and take an offering, pray, and then here's a sermon. You know, you have mm -hmm. the um, additional prayers. You have, uh, you know, usually there's like this expectation that I pronounce a blessing over the congregation at the end um mm. or you have trying to think the doxology the apostles creed reciting together reciting the lord's prayer you have like these elements that show up in those contexts that i personally really enjoy it feels like we're having a i go to my home church and i love my home church but sometimes i sit there and we sing you know these five, six songs and pray and whatever. And I'm like, there's so much more. There's so much more that we could be doing to worship God together. That's still very simple and is a form of unity, unity with other congregations that we're not associated with, but we still can like be united in the reciting of the apostles creed. You know? Yeah. Yeah. The apostles creed, something that we do every Sunday at the church I've been attending. Okay. It was funny, though, because, you know, when I was in college, I learned it for that class, like quick memorization. I was like, all right, well, I'll never need to know that again, <laughs> you know, verbatim. <laughs> nice. Like, I know generally what it means. I was like, I'll never have to memorize that again. And now I'm like, oh, man, really should have committed that one to memory. <laughs> right. no. So has there ever been something a church did that had special meaning to you that you wish more churches would do in the service? Special meaning. Mm, let's see here. Uh, like I said, the the gathering people together to pray over somebody like that was a regular reoccurring thing with this one particular church. So that always stood out to me as a good thing that they were doing. Uh, I'm trying to think like within the church service. Um, I do kind of miss a little bit the, cause a lot of churches, at least up here, don't do it anymore, but the shake hands with your neighbor part of a service um, I do miss that. I understand why that went away. I understand why a lot of things have gone away. A lot of yeah. churches don't pass an offering basket anymore, you know, uh, which is fine. Uh, you know, some things had to go by the wayside because of COVID. But um, I do miss that. And, and, and it was the churches that I preached at frequently that I enjoyed that the most at because it was my opportunity to see people that I only saw once a month and speak with them. Um, or even once a year, there's some churches I preach at that. It's like a once a year 
type of situation where the pastor goes on vacation that I cover. Hmm. So those type of invitational moments of shake hands with your neighbor, share, share the love of God with your neighbor, whatever. I was able to actually like touch base with people better. Yeah. That's nothing I miss. We don't do that at church I go to right now. But hmm. what I what I do miss is not having an offering plate. We have one. I don't like them. I'm anti offering. <laughs> you know what you should you should just pick a point during the homily to stand up and start shaking people's hands. There we go. <laughs> Me. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> this is a great hymn we're having right now, isn't it? <laughs> right. I love this one. Classic. <laughs> so, oh, like man. Josh mentioned earlier, we want this to be expansive. We want to cover sure. as much as we can. So let's start with parking and entering the building. Sure. Uh, a lot of churches consider parking help, which I've never seen in person, and greeters, which are mostly my cousins, as important <laughs> ministries. And uh, a lot of churches don't do anything like that at all to avoid putting people on the spot. Uh, what has been your most common experiences? What have you liked or disliked in how churches you visited handled this part of the experience? So starting with the parking more often than not, I have preached at churches that don't have a parking lot attendant. And personally, I don't see the point unless you're a, like a true mega church with several thousand people and parking is difficult or you have a church with a lot of little kids and you just want it to be an extra me measure of safety. Personally, I don't see why we would need that type of thing. I understand that some churches are going to have that conviction of like, we want as soon as people hit the property, they want to know that someone is there with a smile and greeting them and making them feel welcomed. Cool. That's your conviction. Follow it. I do think that could potentially set like a bad precedence for people who leave your church to go to another church that they don't have a parking lot attendant. And so they must not be that friendly, but that's not necessarily the case. All of the churches I've preached at are typically very friendly and they don't have anybody directing traffic. Uh, also, this is just me. It kind of feels like I'm going to a concert, you know, like I'm going to a big venue type of thing. And again, some churches are that big that they need that type of an environment. But like, again, my church is technically a mega church by definition, and we don't have a parking lot attendant and everything is fine. As for the greeter part, this is a question that for my, for me is actually a little bit skewed. So I'm going to answer this two different ways, because when I'm usually filling this role as a guest preacher, a guest speaker type of thing. So more often than not, there is somebody stationed by the main door waiting for some guy they've never seen before to make sure they get the get the proper treatment. Like not that I'm a celebrity or anything far from it, um, but like. I need to know more than where the coffee, the nursery and the coat rack is like I need to know order of service. What are my cues? Some churches have like a green room or a prayer room or a study room to put the pastor in prior to the service. Like there's additional I need a mic. I need to know if there's a dead spot on the stage because you would be surprised how often that happens. And I kind of pace around when I preach. So I need to know where not to step or the mic is going to go out. So. When it comes to the greeter part, like there is that whole other thing that's specific to me of like they treat me like I'm a big deal. And 
when that's usually only for like churches when I preach at the first couple of times, when it's some of these churches that I've preached at for years, they're still friendly. They still say hello, but it's also like, you know where to get your microphone. You know where these things are. Um, when I'm just visiting another church, I would compare the greeter part to when I go to a Comic-Con or flea market or farmer's market. Don't ghost me. I would like to be acknowledged that I'm there, but please don't hover over me. You know, there are some churches that are a little like, here's your bulletin. And are you new here? And what brings you here? And like, just kind of a little, you're coming off a little clingy there, buddy. Just, just show me where the coffee is. And if I need help after a couple sips of the coffee, I'll come back to you. That's kind of my, like my view of ushers. Like I would love to be greeted. Thank you for handing me my bulletin. Although I do think bulletins are also passe and probably should go away. Um, but I do know <laughs> Josh is shaking. Well, his head see. Now. Um, it is, imp- it is helpful, you but I think something to, to fold during service. You need something to fan yourself. No, see, make, make one an of the things out. I really like about attending a Lutheran church, our bulletin has the entire service outline. I can so see I know the songs and exactly what I'm doing. And I'm like, I love this. This is cool. I can see yeah. that in that context where that's very helpful. But for a Baptist church blanket. where it's <laughs> right. But for a Baptist church where it's like, you know, hey, we have Awanas this Wednesday. I know. <laughs> it's Wednesday. <laughs> I know you do. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's kind of that would be my answer. So parking lot attendant, I could take it or leave it. And when it comes to the greeter, I would like to be acknowledged. I feel welcomed when I do. Please give me my space afterwards. Yeah, you have to have the right people for greeters. Some people are overly excited to greet people. Some people are just rude and just kind of want to say that they did something. Shouldn't be there. True. But as someone who's like really introverted, I like the greeter because mm. I'm not going to approach anybody else to start talking. So if I'm first sure. time visitor, it helps me a lot. Um, as far as parking lots, one thing I thought was interesting my pastors from my parents church where i grew up in a lot always parked the furthest away possible during church mm-hmm. time so you know other people could park closer who need to and i started doing that and you know they kind of told some people about it knowing that some people were going to kind of follow that example so that new people could park closer but they didn't have a parking sure. lot attended whenever i broke my leg and i started <laughs> parking the furthest away possible i then getting on crutches and going to the church the pastor did approach me he's like josh you know the reason i park over there is that you don't have to. <laughs> right. It's like, oh. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. Okay. So also the next thing, I guess, worship. You know, most church services start off with some kind of music, hymn, something like that. Um, what what have you experienced as far as this? I know you said you were excited to talk about it, so I'm just gonna let you go. Yeah, this is the interesting part. So uh I would say this. You see a lot. <laughs> There are so many different ways to do this um, for the types of churches that I normally preach at. I am usually at a church that was caught up in the worship wars. So this was something that took place in the in the 90s, early 2000s, as churches were transitioning away from hymns to modern worship songs. And the churches who made that transition and did it fairly well 
are it it's i really think it is a sign of the health of a church um not that modern music is better than hymns but it shows that you are able to do a monumental task uh being able to shepherd people through a huge transitional phase a lot of the churches i'm i go to though it didn't go that well and so to this day 20 something years later they are still working on transitioning from hymns to modern worship songs. But what's cool and very refreshing for Claire and I, who we go at our church, we usually just sing whatever is the most popular current worship song from Elevation and Maverick City. And okay, fine. <laughs> but what's cool yeah. about going to these churches that are still going through this transition is that we get some hymns, which we grew up on hymns. We get the current stuff. Little Phil Wickham never hurt anybody. But they also, because they're transitioning, they are still singing a lot of those early 2000s and late 90s worship songs that Claire and I, and I'm assuming you guys also grew up on, that we don't sing anymore. Very few churches, it, songs by Tim Hughes, music by Sonic Flood, you know, songs by early Matt Redman songs or uh, ooh, there was someone else I just thought of even like old school Gunger even like we're we don't sing those anymore because, the, you know, Christian music, there's something new every 40 seconds. There's new music dropping somewhere like all the time. So when we go to these churches and we're singing Mighty to Save for the first time in 10 years, it's pretty <laughs> refreshing. And for us, at least, that is what we see as like the ideal situation of like kind of this whole blend of things. And then so, it gets worse. But go, go ahead, ask your question. I was going to say uh, the, the, the Methodist or the more liturgical churches you go to, do they do sim similar things as far as like hymn versus worship or do they do more like what I've come accustomed to with like the Lutheran churches, just really, really old hymns. The modern service is like uh, less than a hundred years old. Is there an idea of modern? <laughs> I would say not that old. More hymns, yeah. but not that old. Yeah, However, dude, hymns, the Enterprise like Baptist, <laughs> the Enterprise Baptist, the yes, Trek. <laughs> the Star Trek one, their hymnal literally, because I looked at it, predates Bill Gaither by a lot. It was wow, yeah. much older. And it was written on parchment. Yeah. <laughs> Pulp, maybe. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and what is interesting, which at first was like, oh, this is kind of cool. Because, you know, Claire and I, we again, we like hymns. So we were singing a whole bunch of new hymns we had never heard before. This is really interesting. But one thing we noticed is that they are Southern in, si in style, not Southern Baptist, but Southern Revival in style hmm. so all of the hymns were a little twangy which is fine Perfect. Kind, of, kind of works but all of them the message was get saved get out of hell die and go to heaven i mean to be fair casting crowns rendition of when we all get to heaven it's great you're not going to win. A, you're not going to persuade <laughs> me on casting crowns just going to let you know right now um <laughs> But when you're only singing that all the time and music is a big part of our like development of our theology, when that is the only thing that you are singing is that theme, you're going to yeah. stagnate the church. And that is exactly what happened. A um, couple quick plugs before I talk about a third 
thing I've noticed, like this weird trend I've picked up on. A couple quick plugs on my seminary life. With uh, Back in February, my brother, who is a worship leader, he was on the show to talk about this part more in depth about like what it's like being a worship leader and going through the worship wars and things like that. And then last year, August or July, um, Dr. Ashley Mofield from Mixtape Theology Podcast, he was on the show to talk about how music does influence our theology. So couple that was that, that was good too. Oh, I like I love Dr. Ashley. He's a cool guy. But the third one I've seen that's like this upcoming trend, which is not a good trend, is they'll sing hymns and maybe they'll sing some worship songs, modern, but they also sing very contemporary Christian songs, like the stuff you listen to on K Love like stuff by the afters or Jeremy camp or Francesca Battistelli songs that aren't written for corporate worship, but songs that are written to sing in your car. You know, Matthew West can write a decent song once every once in a while. Like, like they're fun to sing along to, but they're not like written for corporate worship. And to take it one step further, some of these churches, not only do they sing them, they don't play. The band doesn't play them. They'll just pipe the song in through the speakers and everybody sings along. And it's not, in my very unprofessional opinion, it's a little tacky. Yeah, I agree. Also, uh, for both of you, if you just want a fun exercise to do at some point, um, start mentioning some modern worship or just Christian artist in general to to Pastor Will. He doesn't know who Lecrae is. It's fascinating to me. Yeah, yeah, because you know they just by, don't do that kind of music at the Lutheran Church. They just do old. I hymns, figured so. by now everybody had a general idea of who Lecrae was. That's interesting. Me too. Yeah, I was very taken back because I was just talking about Lecrae, and he's like, "I don't know who that is, but sounds cool." And I was like, "Introduce, <laughs> <laughs> we'll introduce him to like Red wow. and Skillet. We should. He, he does <laughs> he know who Toby Mac is, right? Yes, get, I asked the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we got like the basics covered, right? <laughs> Yeah, it's <laughs> just funny. You know, just different world. If you don't have to listen to True. Christian music all the time, turns out you don't. That's a refreshing. <laughs> so, yeah, so on the worship on the worship side, yeah, that's what I've that is what I have seen. And it's a little all over the map. But yes, those are my thoughts. <laughs> yeah, I know that's one you, you care a lot about. Probably another one you care a lot about as someone who is invited to preach at some of these different churches, some liturgical, most not. Are you ever expected to like preach different ways or like given different timelines or anything like that? Like, how does that work when you're doing the sermon for these different places? Um, okay, I'm going to start with this. I guess the answer is yes and no, just to get it started. Um, I'm going to start with this because I was accused as too strong of a word, but this has been brought up before because I do get paid to do this. Um, and it was brought up to me before that I tailor my messages so that way churches continue to bring me back so that way I can make more money. That was... I mean, you should tailor your message to the audience, period. Uh, but not like <laughs> not like that, though. Not like yeah. you're trying to... Not like you're trying to, you know, know your audience, like basic public speaking, but like shying away from certain topics or... Um, pandering in a certain way. So that way I keep getting called back. So that way I keep making money. 
let the record show because you have a much bigger audience than I do. So everyone on my show already <laughs> knows this, but let the record show. I do not do this for money. I am a man of high character and it would be beneath me to tailor a message just so that way I can make money. Have you ever rethought that one? Money's nice. <laughs> money is nice, especially when you continue to preach the American view on money, like it, from the Bible. Like it, it is a really, you know, but, um, but no. So I will start with that of, yes, I do get paid to do this. And if you want to talk about that, that's fine. But I do not tailor my message so that way I can make more money. That being said, one thing that you do have to keep in mind as I'm doing this is that I am not tied to any one particular denomination. I'm not part of a ministry. I'm a I'm a gun for hire. Yeah, you know, I'm a mercenary. Um, Perfect. So so there are times where I go into a church context that we do not agree on something. I named off all those denominations earlier. I disagree with them on all of them on different things. And for some of those things, it's not worth fighting. It's not worth talking about. Uh, simple example, the CRC, the Reformed Church, they baptize babies and they ordain women. I used to be very much against that. I'm a little bit more moderate now on those things. That is something I'm still kind of like actively working out in my faith of what do I what do I believe on these things? So yeah. I don't preach about it. There's plenty of other things to talk about because yeah. as you said earlier, Josh, you know, with these churches that it's like one and done, like whatever, you know, I, I preach a message, you know, I bring one, <laughs> whatever it might be. But when it's a church that I'm at frequently, even if it's just like a yearly visitation, I start to learn stuff about the congregation and the people there. So I do prepare messages that are relevant or I know what's going on in evangelicalism at a high level. So, you know, be timely and talk about something that is relevant to everybody that's going on in the culture. Like there's plenty of other things to talk about. Have I gone into churches that are Christian nationalistic and called them out to repent? Yes. Have I gone to churches that don't support missionaries or do anything in the community and called them out on that? Yes. There are times where I do I have. Uh, there are times where I do have to go up there and say, look, this is what scripture is saying. And we do actually have to address this, even though I may be some saying something that's contrary to how you normally operate. But for the most part, it's, you know, it's just the plain and simple get to know the congregation. I usually try to have a conversation with if they do have a pastor or at least like the head elder or whoever head deacon to get a feel for like the demographic, you know, yeah. you know, who, tell me a little bit about you people. So that way I can kind of just show up with more than just, well, I guess we could talk about John three sixteen, which there's nothing wrong with preaching John three sixteen. <laughs> but if I can deliver a message that is relevant to your congregation, that is what I want to do. Does yeah. that actually even remotely answer the question? <laughs> Like half of the question. The other half is like as far as like structure, like is there ever like, okay, for us, we do 20 minutes for us, we do 40 minutes, mm. that kind of thing. But I did want to speak quickly. Um, contrary to Brandon, I made a commitment for TJ and I that every time we get invited to preach at a five point Calvinist church that we're going to exclusively talk about Arminianism. <laughs> and yet we haven't been invited yet. I'm very confused about that. <laughs> it's weird. Personally, yeah, it's weird. I think we should ordain more babies. 
<laughs> do both you know ordain, yeah. ordain my son right now um i'll do it wait is it not done yet no not yet i'm being a bad parent i haven't gotten to Man. that yet uh when it comes to that question of structure um no i'm trying to think it really depends on who on the congregation so i one thing again if you listen to my show you've heard me say before uh when it comes to preaching you know you're supposed to let the text speak for itself you know meaning mm-hmm. exegete exegesis not eisegesis but for me personally i also think that you should also let the text communicate for itself which means not every sermon is a three-point sermon not every sermon is 30 minutes long um so when i write a sermon when it's done, it's done. I don't write for time. And most often (laughs) churches don't care. There was, when it came to the Methodist church, um, they did have a 15 minute time restriction, which I did not know until I got there with my roughly 30 minute long sermon. And they had two services back to back. So I had to preach as particularly that first one. I had to preach within that 15 minute time frame, And so that was an interesting experience to do that. Um, it was it was refreshing because done well, that more 15 minute, 20 minute homily, it really does force you to focus on like what is really yeah. important in the text. There is plenty of times where it's good to go deep and talk about the Greek and the Hebrew and the culture and the blah, blah, blah. But sometimes, okay, just like not a surface level preaching. I think it's sometimes referred to as devotional preaching. But to just like, here's the main thought. And let's talk about the main thought in light of the passage for a little while and we're done. That is a refreshing change of pace. Yeah. Now I'm going to do a quick plug. I got to be a guest on a show. Um, coming out soon, uh, they do like a Fish Friday special. It's called My Seminary Life. Um, yeah, we kind of talked about that. So be a little bit of that. <laughs> yeah. All right. So uh, how have you seen the different sacraments observed by different churches handled? Uh, this is another one that actually is not a good question for me. It's a good question because you're going to find out you're going to see a lot of differences. But because <laughs> I usually fill this role of a guy who's covering for the pastor – they will structure those things around me. I usually preach at churches that do communion once a month or only at Christmas and Easter. I don't know why for that one, but once a month or baptism is more like a special event service rather than in more like high liturgical churches. Communion is an every week thing. Baptisms just happen when they come up, you know, um, But for the context I'm usually in across the board, really, they when I am called to preach, it's more they'll structure those things around the weeks that the pastor isn't there or they will intentionally have somebody from their denomination or an elder or a deacon preach the Sunday that they are going to do communion and then have that person do the communion service as well. So outside of like I mentioned earlier, I do preach at a church that baptizes babies um i have not necessarily observed anything that i'm like oh that's interesting i should write that down and talk about it next time i'm hanging out with josh and tj but i'm (laughs) sure they exist some other things you get like i talked about earlier you know 
saying the doxology and the Apostles' Creed and call and response prayer. Like you do see that, but by way of sacraments, I I don't really have much to say. Mm-mm, fair enough. So, uh, have you you've preached at a church with a liturgy? Yes. Is that okay? I was like, is that a question? Actually, that just- no. Actually, no. Even the Methodist Church, even though they had that liturgy time of like 15 minutes, I have yet to preach at a church that does lectionary or Book of Common Prayer or anything like that, where I am told, hey, this is what you're preaching this week, because that's where we're at this time of the year. Um, What I normally what happens, and this is always fun, always this happens. A church calls (laughs) me to preach. And it's one of those churches that I'm not at regularly. Uh, They'll call me to preach and we'll talk. I get to know the church a little bit. And normally I will ask, so what have you been preaching on lately? You know, where have you been at? Because for me, it's like, I want to know your church better through this phone call. Mm -hmm. And I want us to have a, you know, I want to bring a message that's relevant to your congregation. But also there's 66 books. If you've been in one of them for the past year, I'll pick a different one. (laughs) And always. Always the response is, well, whatever the Holy Spirit leads you to preach on, that's what that's what you should preach on. And I'm kind of like, yeah, I get that part. That will happen. (laughs) I just, you know, out of 66 books, there's probably a really funny chance that there's a coincidence that I'm going to preach on a passage that you just talked about two weeks ago. I just want to if you've been in Matthew this whole time, I'll bring Jonah like, you know, just just so (laughs) I know. Um, So. Preaching liturgy, I've yet to do that. The more I think about it, I don't know if that will happen because churches who do that are usually part of like a bigger council or synod or something like that. So that way, when their pastor is out on vacation, sabbatical, even has to quarantine because that's an option now, um, there is somebody, it's like an ever moving like ride there's somebody they can move into that position outside of pastor will just inviting me to come preach sometime (laughs) or like a church around here in a very like in case of emergency break glass type of situation i don't know if that will necessarily happen but now that i said that it will probably happen before the end of the year (laughs) next week also there's right yeah well and there is i don't say disagreement there is discussion on what you mean when you use the term liturgy. You know, some people sure. argue that every church has a liturgy. If you do three worship songs every time before you do worship, that is a structure. That is a liturgy to some yes. people. It just depends what you mean by that. But, yes. Yeah. yeah. Some people, they use the word liturgy and what they mean is order of service. Like this is what we're doing in this church service. Yeah. Whereas others, when they mean liturgy, they're talking about lectionary. They're talking about church calendar. They're talking about, okay, this year we're in the book of Matthew and this Sunday, this is the passage. Yeah. It's like uh, you go to the Methodist church. They're, they're really more like mid liturgical, not, not really yes. high. Yeah. Yes. They'll do like some of the readings and maybe some of the repeat stuff in the beginning or at the end, but yes, they don't really have a liturgical sermon. Yeah, sure. Um, so what about the finale of the service? You know, <laughs> whenever you get to the, the end, do they like do you preach at churches? I know you said you don't go to ones that ex- do communion at the end of every service, but do you ever yes. go to one that's like we do a prayer at the end every time or we expect you to do an altar call? Has that ever come up? 
So I talked about how the music from an observing standpoint was the most interesting part. By way of my involvement, this is the most interesting part because it is very different depending on where I'm at that Sunday. Um, yeah. I would say some churches just make it really easy and they're like, okay, once you're done preaching, pray, and then the worship band will come up and we'll take it from there. Just kind of, kind of this like, don't worry about it. We know what we're doing. We're not going to put any expectations on you. Um, the more liturgical churches, they do expect a blessing, which the first time I was asked to do that, I had to stop and think for a second to even because that's not a Baptist thing. <laughs> that's yeah, not even yeah. close. Um, you know, some Baptists would even go. I've had people in my life say, I can't bless people. Only the Lord blesses people, which is kind of this weird idea. So I had to think, like, can I do a blessing? Am I OK with it? Yeah, I'm OK <laughs> with that. I can totally do this. Um I've never been required to do an altar call. There are times where, depending on whatever it is I'm preaching on, I will extend an altar call invitation for that final song. Whatever the yeah. worship band or the, the hymns leader comes up, I will extend it. Whether the church normally does that or not, I just think that's a good element not necessary for every service, but I think that is a good element to include of a little bit more of a involvement from the congregation as part of the service. Yeah, yeah. I um, I think that's something we're getting more and more away from altar calls, really. But Russell Moore, I, I forget, is he the mm. is he the chief editor at Christianity Today now? I think He's so. Something. I think so. Big wig at Christianity Today. Also friend of the show. He's been on here a couple of times. Oh, nice. He yeah. He wrote an article recently that was talking about how churches need to get back to doing more altar calls. And I'm like, yeah. 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 That's something I can get behind. <laughs> Sky Jutani from the Holy Post, he's talked about that as well. Yeah. And I, and I agree. Also, great show. Holy Post is awesome. Oh, yes, they are. <laughs> yeah. So finally, after church. There's a few mm -hmm. different ways people go about their things. Uh, are you often expected to go out to eat with the congregation or the pastor's family, somebody's house, or do you just leave? Does everybody just leave? Okay, so confession time. My you hate least, pastors. <laughs> uh, my least favorite part is the standing in the back, shaking everyone's hand on the way out part. It is my least favorite part of the whole thing. Uh, there's actually one <laughs> church that during the final song, not only do I have to walk down the center aisle while everyone is singing to go to the back to shake everyone's hand, I'm supposed to get Claire, my wife, and she is supposed to walk with me down that aisle. It's like we're getting married again every single Sunday, and we have to go stand in the back, and she has to stand there and greet everybody out with me. Um, oh. And she's a very good sport about it. I don't know if she probably doesn't enjoy it at all. I don't think she's in the room right now, but I don't think she enjoys it at all. And the reason why I, I and the reason why it's not my favorite is because one, I'm very introverted. So there is this weird, there is this weird, like I'm perfectly fine with public speaking and being in front of a lot of people. It's, being in the back and now I have to talk to every single person who is in the church one-on-one, -on -one, <laughs> that's a little overwhelming for me, if I'm being honest. But also, as someone, as someone who has done that, there is nothing interesting going on back there. I, I'm, I, I, know I'm, I know I'm really banging up on this, 
which is something that is so like, I don't care if a church wants me to go do that. That's fine. If I don't have to stand in the back, I don't. I just go back to my seat and the people who do want to talk to me do come up to me and that I'm okay with. But when you stand in the back, everybody just says, good message, preacher. Thank you for being here over and over and over again. It's only like it's very rare that somebody will walk up to me and say, that was a really good message because and then we have a conversation. It's even rarer, but it has happened when someone walks up to me and says this one very specific part that had nothing really to do with anything is wrong like that. I I have (laughs) been chewed out in the back before. That does happen rarely, but it does happen. Happened this past summer, actually, was probably the last time it did happen. Um But it's that whole, yes, that part is just not necessarily my favorite. I do it in churches where I'm at frequently. It is nice because it does kind of cover what we talked about earlier of like the greeting part of saying hello to your neighbor. So I do get to visit with people that I only get to see every once in a while. That is nice. It is not my favorite. By way of going out to lunch with people, uh, no. There is occasionally, occasionally when it's like the first time I've ever preached at a church, I will be, I am informed that some churches, like they have a deacon or an elder or whoever that like, that's what they do. That's what they like to do. They like to take the preacher and his family out for lunch afterwards. So it happens occasionally, but for the most part, it's like, okay, everyone now disperses. We've all shook his hand and now we are all going to leave. Some have like a coffee shop or like a like a in-between service between, Uh you know, like church and Sunday school if they do it in that order. So I might hang around a little bit and like talk to people there as well. But yeah, usually people just exit. Yeah, that's been one of the weirdest differences that I'm trying to get used to having grown up in a Pentecostal church and now attending the Lutheran. Okay, Pentecostal churches. We'll sit around for like an hour just talking to each other. But then someone will and then it's like almost like tag football, like when you were a kid and it's just like who's gonna pick you to go to lunch and everybody teams up and goes, you know? Oh, okay. Lutheran church, nice. everybody just leaves. <laughs> like it's just service is over. We all immediately walk out. I'm like, oh, okay. We talked <laughs> we talked earlier about my small group, which I I haven't wanted to bring up, but that does ring true of something that somehow we put together an entire group of introverts. I don't know how we did that. That was not intentional. Uh, So what is great is that some weeks as introverts are, we finish our lesson and then people just hang around for like another hour, two hours, just hanging out, talking. We'll turn on Mario Kart. Like we'll just hang out. And then sometimes the lesson is over and everyone is out the door within five minutes. So, yep. (laughs) <laughs> yeah the the small group i had when i lived in charleston we actually called ourselves introverts are us for some reason <laughs> nice it's funny how that works out yeah tj's now going to demonstrate to everyone how to properly pay Mar- mario kart uh yeah drift drift <laughs> <laughs> yeah mario kart dlc good by the way nice good to know okay. anyway. good to know i should get it you should. Um, so should. for our practical action in this series rather than asking you what should our listeners go do more okay. generally for church unity, we're going to say, as they are, we're going to assume that they're going to be visiting different churches. Mm-hmm. What is something that practically that you would say is like, what's your number one advice for meeting new people mm-hmm. at these churches or knowing how to conduct yourself when you're in these kind of new settings? Yeah, I would 
summarize it with this hopefully very memorable thought. You can tell I preach. You need to approach those situations um, with critical thinking without being critical, without being hypercritical. You know, if you are listening to this and you're a a Pentecostal and you decide I'm going to go check out the Anglican church down the road. You know, there are some people that like they are in a certain church congregation for a long time. And one reason or another life, they end up at a completely random thing for a while. You know, if you're a Pentecostal heading off to an Anglican church for the very first time or you're a Baptist going into a Lutheran, Methodist, Presbyterian, Presbyterian church, you know, (laughs) go into it analytically go into it with some critical thinking you know what is different Mm -hmm. what is going on why is it different why is this going on but do it without just outright writing everything off like we talked about back at the beginning with our passage this uh in this episode you should be able to do that maturely without just writing everything off as bad so to the pentecostal going to an anglican church for the very first time just because everything is maybe more muted, that might be the right word, than what you are used to, does not mean that the Holy Spirit is not working. And just because, Baptist person, you're going to a church that is reciting the Apostles' Creed as part of the service, does not mean that they value creeds more than the Bible. There are reasons behind these things. And you need to address this critically, okay? Does, do these things line up with Scripture? without just writing it all off. And as you continue, if this is not just like a one-off thing, like you're really going to try and get plugged into a completely different style church than what you're used to, remember, these people are your brothers and sisters in Christ, even though they do conduct businessly differently on Sundays. As you spend more time with them, then you can start asking those questions of, so yeah, what is with, what did you say earlier, Josh? What is with these you know, coverings that you put over the crosses. Like what, what's up with that? Or why, you know, I, I was part of a Pentecostal church. We did this thing over here. Why don't you do something like that over here? There may be an explanation. And sometimes when it comes to traditional things, you may just find out the thought never occurred to them. So go into (laughs) it level-headed, open-minded, but still kind of analytical. That would be my advice. Yeah. Well, that was a good answer, Preacher. Thank you for coming. <laughs> You're <Sorry. welcome. laughs> That's my response. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what uh, – I feel like this question isn't quite appropriate here, but okay, what would the ramifications <laughs> of that be if uh, everyone listening did that? I, I think people would have – Possibly, I don't want to guarantee this, but I think people who are coming from one very specific context and going into another one, they might have a smoother transition or a more enjoyable service if they're not going into it thinking, I'm going to tear this service apart. If you're going into a service more open-minded to actually partake in it and to grow from it rather than to try and poke holes in it, I think you're going to have a more enjoyable experience, I think. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So before we wrap up, we'd like to get into our God moment. I don't know. Uh, Brandon, are you familiar? <laughs> I've heard of this. <laughs> hmm. So we'd oh, like man. to ask everyone to share a moment where they saw God recently, whether that be literally uh, or in, you know, a moment of worship, challenge, a blessing, anything like that. 
And I always start with Josh to give us as much time as we need to think. So, Josh, do you have a God moment for us this week? Yeah. So rather than a specific moment, it's more like a ongoing trend. I don't know. Uh, work changed our hours. And now go in an hour later. I have to stay an hour later. Okay. There's positive and negatives with it. But I'm getting more sleep. So That's part of good. it is like, I don't think that God directly forced work to do this so that he would make me rest. But it is reminding me the importance of of rest, you know, both literally and figuratively resting in the Lord is kind of thinking of this. Oh, yeah, sometimes I don't need to constantly work and wake up at three in the morning. <laughs> yeah, that is a good. All one. right. <laughs> yeah. So I am not sure if it was last week or the week before where my God moment was the fact that uh, one of our very few managers was quitting mm. or the week before that. I don't know. Anyway, it happened again. <laughs> oh, goodness. <laughs> Are you down to two now? <laughs> nope. We had we had four for about five days. <laughs> Woohoo! Y'all just can't hold on to more than three. <laughs> it's a law of the universe. Not allowed. <laughs> Not allowed. So I would like to thank God for the opportunity to test my metal. <laughs> I like that. Test my metal. <laughs> All right. Coming from a previous welder. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. TJ Lore. <laughs> so, Brandon, do you have a God moment for us this week? Yeah, it is. That one's actually true, though. <laughs> that one's true. Um, the same day that we are recording this episode, the 100th episode of my podcast dropped. Uh, my Seminary Life just celebrated 100 episodes and also celebrated our two-year anniversary. It's like back-to-back -back celebrations. So, uh, just feeling good. I did not think there was a period of time where I never thought I would get to this point. I'm actually more surprised I got to this point than I am finishing school. So I, I am excited <laughs> for what's coming up on the show in the future. But yeah, just, just very pleased that this goofy little project has managed to be around this long. Yeah. I really yeah. liked your guest for that hundredth episode too. Yeah. Yeah. That's not I true. heard he was He's a loser. Not my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he is. <laughs> But uh, you remember our episode 100, Josh? Nope. Me neither. Anyway. <laughs> I remember episode, episode 50. Episode. Ironically, I remember what we did for episode do, yeah. 50. <laughs> I remember 50 because we made 50 a big deal. Yeah, then nice. we stopped caring. <laughs> so, oh, man. If you liked this episode, please consider sharing it with a friend or a cousin. If you disagree with anything Brandon said in this episode, please let us know directly. Uh, come to our convention. We are going to have stand-up right after check-in by Tom Emmons, Emons. I'm not yeah. sure how to say his name. Yeah, me neither. But he's funny. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you've heard him before, though, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um. Anyway, check out our other show where uh, TJ and I talk about geeky stuff, sometimes branding guests at systematicgeekology.org. Be talking about ints soon. That'll be fun. And we hope you enjoyed it. Come back next week as we continue this series on church services with popular return guests like Dr. Peter Beck, pastor of Doorway Baptist Church in North Charleston, South Carolina, Father, Father Jonathan Resmini from Holy Trinity Orthodox Cathedral, and Reverend Keno Kennedy from the AME Zion Tradition. Then we'll have a one-week break with no show. So sorry, you can go listen to an old one. No, go listen and, to My Seminary Life that week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, <laughs> after sure. that, we'll have a couple live recordings from the convention. And finally, at the end of Season 1, Francis Chan will be joining us. Yeah, he doesn't know that yet. 
Also, did you know that all of those popular return guests you mentioned were part of that 50th episode you mentioned earlier? <laughs> oh, that's yeah. cool. No. Yeah, that's kind of funny. I just noticed that. I was like, oh, weird. And Dr. Coincidences. Please. Yeah. Yeah. No. Francis Chan was on the 50th. Maybe 150th. Oh, we've passed that. Maybe 200. <laughs> I don't know. I think this is I like episode 172. <laughs> I don't know, man. We've been doing this a long time. Yeah, yeah. In like four years. We haven't missed that many weeks. Well, there was a time we were off for like a month at, here and there during my like wedding prep. I missed a lot that year. Thank you for listening to the Whole Church Podcast. Remember, you can always support the show at patreon.com forward slash the whole church podcast. We'll also get extra discounts for our upcoming convention where you can meet us and worship with people from several different languages and denominations in Chapel Hill, North Carolina.